I just realized that we're all wearing like little, like I've got a B and you've got plaid and Abigail's wearing ACDC and I just think that's very funny. <laughs> How does it feel to be Sam coded? <laughs> we are really repping. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast, where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. <laughs> today, we are going to be talking about the ninth episode of the fourth season of Supernatural, titled I Know What You Did Last Summer. And today, we are joined by extra special guest Abigail from Saving People Queering Things. You all know Abigail. You all love Abigail. They've been with us on the show a couple of times before. Do you want to say hi? Hi, I'm so glad to be back. I'm so excited to be back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're very excited to have you. What did you guys think of the episode? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I just, I, look, I'm going to get my least favorite thing about this episode out of the way, like, mm -hmm. first, really early. The fucking yeah. sex scene with Sam and Ruby. <laughs> what the fuck is happening there? I'm sorry. The acting is weird. The dialogue is weird. The whole, <laughs> like, like, she's kind of pausing him, but, like, not really, but, like, it, it just icky vibes everywhere. the lighting change yeah. the like dramatic lighting change so you can barely see anything yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. the random shot of the clothes hitting the floor why like, we already knew the clothes <laughs> we already knew your clothes are off your clothes are already off but also think, the thing is that shot it's not like they look like they're dropping to the floor it looks like someone's like hot like chucking them <laughs> well like you know as like, you do as you do in that scenario you just huck them as far as you can <laughs> Okay, everyone I, knows it's like shot put. It's all about distance. <laughs> you want to make them as difficult to get afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Possible. Exactly. No, okay. In a warehouse, in a cold, dark warehouse, <laughs> you want to not yeah. be able to find your clothes afterwards. Exactly. I'm pretty sure it's like missing a wall as well. There's like a wall that's not actually a wall. It's just like like some sort of fencing with like plants yeah. on it and shit. Like it's also disgusting in there. So. Yeah, like, you know, choose sanitary places to have sex people. <laughs> choose <Yeah>. sanitary places. <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought this up. I wasn't expecting it to be the first topic, but I am glad that we're here. Because I, I want to talk about the fact that every time there is any kind of like intimate scene with Sam, whether it's just a kiss or whatever, he looks like he's in pain. Like, is it just me that thinks this? Like he looks like he's in physical discomfort. Yeah, it's like 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 <laughs> Sam's an angsty character to begin with, and then you put him in any of these scenarios, and he immediately looks like he's about to cry, right? Or like, or well, like he's angry, he's, or scream, or like punch something, and you're like, yeah. this is not this not seem like the healthiest place that you're coming <laughs> from to be engaging in this sort of activity. Mm -mm. Just everything about the scene, like it, it was an odd, like I understand, like the purpose is like, oh, well now Sam's kind of in love with Ruby because like, you know, she's, well, guess me, he's like, she saved me. It's like, yeah, bitch, before Dean died, she'd already saved you like a good dozen times. Like, this is not, this is not new. <laughs> like Ruby saving you is not new. And Dean, and even Dean is like, mm, I'm going to need more than that. Like that doesn't explain whatever weird new thing is going on with you yeah two. yeah and like so obviously the idea is like now they've got a deeper connection because like she pulled him out of like his downward drinking spiral and helped him master his powers and fucking she come back and saved him despite the fact that's what she'd been doing literally all of last season <laughs> um but this time it's different but this time it's different because they're fucking now this time this time there's sex involved <laughs> but like everything about that scene just like 
from the way that like the actors are acting the scene to like the location they chose for the scene to the way they've chosen to shoot the scene to like the dialogue <laughs> in the scene and like the like this is not a problem I think and I I, I think this is not something that I think is going to get better like Sam no. does not there this is not a problem that they get better at <laughs> particularly with Sam so I do I Jamie, this will make more sense to you later. Okay. I promise. It won't be a long wait. That's she's, terrifying. She's getting mad at me for keeping on telling her that she'll understand things soon. But I promise this <laughs> is really soon. You'll understand this. But I do want to touch on this now because it will come up again soon, which is the difference between Sam's sex scenes and Dean's sex scenes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, please. Let's talk about this. <laughs> it's like a fucking complete 180 like with Sam like like I said like he's aggressive like almost exclusively Sam's sex scenes particularly in like I think I don't, we don't really get them in later seasons but like in this like in Kripke era in this era the ones I can so think aggressive. of are all like any um, kind of sexual Madison. contact for him is like yeah intense right so like I think really we get the kiss with Sarah in Providence which is like really intense we get when he sleeps with Madison in Heart, which is like, again, really intense. And then in this one, it's just like every single time they just like take it up a notch. And it's yeah. like, he literally looks like he's trying to rip her hair out. I'm like, man, what are you? <laughs> like, I, like, you know, to each their own, like, you know, you like, oh yeah, to each their own, but like, it's a little, it's a, it's a, it's a little it's something. Yeah. It's so different from how they do like the one sex scene we've seen with Dean. With so Cassie. Far, with Cassie, like so different. Like Dean gets softer in that sort of environment when when there's being someone showing like affection that's not just like that's like there's any kind of emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what you're telling me here is that Sam's a top and Dean's a bottom. <laughs> I feel like Misha said something about this at some point. <laughs> that's the energy. <laughs> I I did I know that the whole scene is like weird for so many reasons, but like it is important that we note it because like. There's going to be more discussion about this coming up, I'm sure. Where- also, it looks like he like he's trying to bite her, and I'm like, mm. which was actually another thing for Madison. Yeah, yeah. I made the joke That's about how true. she probably wouldn't want to be bitten, considering her recent trauma. <laughs> that might not be the kind of activity that might, you know, feel <laughs> safe and sane and consensual. You know, all of those things that are important. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's interesting the one because the one. The one exception to this, unsurprisingly, is Sam and Jess. Yeah. Like we do see a different, like, not that we, we don't ever see, like, super a intimate between them. Yeah. But we do see, like, affection between them. And that's, like, it's, like, a whole different person. Sam's very gentle with her. We talked about Dean and Cassie, but also Dean and, was it Carmen from What Is and What Should Never Be? And, like, mm-hmm. that's a very, like, soft interaction there as well. Oh, yeah. Where also, again, you know, the person who seems to be more dominant in the situation yeah. is, is the partner. Yeah. <laughs> um, like all, I've, all, th- all, of the, all three times that we've seen Dean with someone in a like either sex or implied, which is Lisa, Cassie and Carmen. Carmen. And this will actually only continue. Like I'm thinking about, uh, is it 514, the end? Yes. Oh no, five oh four. It's five oh four. But you're, yes, you're yeah, correct. yeah, yeah. Totally know exactly what you're talking about, you guys. <laughs> Great chat. And in particular, the episode with the Amazons. Also that. Yeah. I, about, I was thinking about that one. Jamie is just giving us looks like she hates us for 
talking about future <laughs> season. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jamie, we'll shut up now. Did you have anything that you wanted to move on to then? If we will pull it back to something you can actually have an opinion on. <laughs> okay. I do really quickly just want to talk about gender equality. We get our first crossroads demon who's not a hot lady in a cocktail dress. We do. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. The men are finally catching up to women. <laughs> they too can be hot and evil. He's the diverse, diversity hire. The diversity. <laughs> <laughs> Though, to be fair, they don't, you know, we've seen a lot of crossroad demons and we've seen a lot of kissing scenes and we didn't get one of those here. So still got some some ways to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a big win for homophobia that we didn't get to see <laughs> Sam make a <laughs> That was the point I was making. Um, <laughs> <being explicit. laughs> oh, um, actually, I just realized we did miss one Sam sex scene, Bella. That's probably the only one where it's not weirdly aggressive. Yeah, but that was a dream. True, but it was Sam's dream. But was it Sam's dream? Carmen. Apparently, there is a theory floating around the internet that Bella was actually experimenting with the dream route. Oh, yeah, I saw you talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone tagged oh, me in the tweet. That's and was like, a okay, cool look, this theory. is actually really interesting. There's this theory that maybe Bella was fucking messing with him. Actually, that is way more interesting and makes way more sense than that. The weird, like, let's have Sam be have a thing for Bella when he won't before and won't again. And, like, that's not wildly out of character. No, not at all. And would be, it would make it make more sense than Sam's weird dream. Yeah, because, like, here's the thing they haven't shown any sort of, like, if there'd be any build-up or anything afterwards, it would make sense. But literally, it's like that one episode, they were like, we need a plot device. We think this will be funny. If it was Dean, I would have bought it because we had had that, like, the whole, like, yeah. We should really have angry sex. Like, we'd have like the red sky morning thing. Which, okay, actually, let's, for a second, <laughs> while, like, I, we're just going to spend this episode <laughs> talking about the boys' sex lives, but... <laughs> Unexpected, but I'm But I'm here for it. <laughs> so, Dean and Bella, actually, like, I get that they put the little, like, like leaning into it thing, but if you think about it in from terms of what we see them in sexual relations, Sam and Bella make a lot more sense than Dean and Bella. Like, the actual build-up was there for Dean and Bella, but the actual, like, like sex partnership, it does make more sense with Sam, which is like, not something that I've ever considered before, but, like, now I'm considering it. <laughs> well, and it makes me think of, like, there's, this is not a, a, a spoiler, but there's a time, like, in way in the future where, like, basically, like, the idea that Dean likes to flirt is mm. sort of, like, pointed out to him at one point. And that he doesn't always, he's not always trying to actually get somewhere with it. And that's sort yeah. of the energy I get with Bella is that he just likes to flirt mm-hmm. and like aggressive, he likes like aggressive flirting, but also when it actually comes to actually getting close to someone, following through, it's, he's not, a, we don't see him being an aggressive person. It's also that thing where um, we've talked a couple of times before where he tends to like, what did you said, you said it in, I don't know if it's an episode that we've got. Do you know what? I think it was in Juice and Below that's just gone out. Uh, Jamie was talking about how he kind of weaponizes flirting and how like it'll be if he's in a situation where he's like uncomfortable, he's not in control and like he'll be like, oh, sorry, like I don't swing that way. And it's always like a like weaponization of that, like to try and flip the table, I guess, and make the other person uncomfortable. Yeah, it's that way of taking a little bit of power in a situation where he doesn't feel like he has any power, which we we see in like a number of situations where he's being used as bait or things like that. 
That's a really good observation. Hashtag fuck John Winchester. (laughs) (laughs) Always, always. I want to know what you think of Anna and, and that, and what, what you, you think about Anna in general based on this introduction. Okay, so I like Anna. I feel like we don't get a lot about Anna, except for they're using her almost exclusively to fucking info dump all of the shit we already know about the plot, which I think is really fucking annoying because honestly, you can take out the entire like last time on or like then section in Supernatural. Previously on. Previously on, whatever. And just replace it with that Anna monologue from the beginning. Like it's like, You've literally just told us all this shit and then Anna's telling us again, like, understand that they're doing it to show that, like, Anna's actually got legit information and, like, she's not Mm -hmm. crazy. She does actually genuinely know what's happening. But I just kind of wish that they'd used it to tell us something we didn't know yet. Right. Mm. That would have actually been a better use of it. Because they they sort of just used it to info dump all the stuff we already knew. It's like, if you're going to use it to info dump, you might as well at least sprinkle in a couple of details that we don't know yet. Which would then give her more credibility with the boys too, if it's something that they don't even know yet. Yeah, like if, especially if she's like in the scene, maybe where they find her in the church and she's like rattling off like, oh, you're Sam and you're, you know, you're Dean and you were in hell and Castiel said you would. Like if at the end she had like thrown in like something that we as the audience or they don't know yet, or even if it had been used to be like, she said something like about one of the brothers that like if she'd said something about like Dean's time in hell that Sam didn't know about yet or Sam's time and with then, Ruby like exactly something. yeah exactly they had and opportunities then, yeah especially because we get the line which I god I feel so bad for Sam when Anna's like you know talking and she's like oh like first of all she's like the Dean and it's just so funny Sam's reaction <laughs> when Dean's like I guess he's <laughs> viral Dean's like kind it. of uncomfortably like <laughs> uncomfortable but also a little bit like hmm, hmm, I guess so like um, I mean if you want to call me the Dean <laughs> exactly and but then she says you know some of the angels think you can save us and then she turns to Sam and is like and some of them don't like you at all and I was like, just like Sam didn't already know that about the angels it's so funny and it's like after like having just met Cass and the whole like greetings blood freak interaction like I <laughs> Sam's not a Sam, Sam's not doing so hot with the angels. He's not a fan favorite with the angels. No. And, you know, honestly, considering, you know, it makes him his connection to Ruby. It makes sense that he's leaning into the connection with Ruby and not so much into anything with the angels at this point, because the angels have pretty much exclusively been like, yeah, you're bad. Whereas Ruby's not like other demons. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What Ruby's. I always I always forget because there's this like in the fandom we often call Genevieve's Ruby like Ruby 2.0 but it's not yeah. actually Ruby 2.0 it's like Ruby 3.0 because there's that in between the intermediate Ruby vessel yeah. <laughs> which I always always forget about I always forget that there's that Same. other random vessel in the middle mm-hmm. I do life. love though that she like Ruby's solution was like I'm gonna find someone who's in a coma the moment they pass away I'm jumping into their body like as soon as their soul is officially left, like that's free real estate. I also want to know how the doctors explained, not yeah. to her, because like she obviously like is fine. She's fine. And then she obviously leaves the hospital. But like, what do they tell the family? But it's yeah. Jane Doe. If you notice on the bed, it says Oh, Jane that's Doe. true. That's true. But then they just let her go without anything. I do love though that she brings the medical certificate to be like, look, yeah. it's ethical. <laughs> it's free. What does she say? It's like. Re- I recycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, but you know, points points to Ruby. Points to I, Ruby. 
I wanted to mention, do you remember back when we were talking about demon possession, the ethics of demon possession? I think it's when we were talking about the possibility of being possessed by Spider-Man yeah. and whether or not you would be able to like do a backflip. Yeah. This is what I was talking about when I said that we get a character who's like been in a coma and you don't know how long. Yeah. So you don't like know what their muscle degeneration is like. Yeah. But she can walk. Yeah. So I just wanted to, this okay. is the evidence yeah. that I used that you didn't know about yet. So now, wow. now you can see my evidence. <laughs> Beth's showing her work here I am (laughs) I have so many notes about like things that I've said to Jamie that like this will be important later and we will come back to it and now I have (laughs) to remember every time I've said that (laughs) which for 310 in particular is going to be a doozy (laughs) oh boy we're gonna have a fun time talking about three yeah we're gonna have a fun time (laughs) while we're on the topic of Ruby how are we feeling about Ruby? We get a lot of information about why Sam actually trusts Ruby so much coming into season four, other than like she saved his life, which we already discussed is like and, and not a voice. She's done that a million times. <laughs> like that's nothing new. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did have a note about how it's really interesting though that this time when Ruby, like she's kind of learned her lesson because the first time she approaches Sam, the way she gets into his good graces is by being like, oh, I can save Dean. Mm. And now she's come back to Sam after weaseling her way out of hell. She's like, there's no way I can save Dean. Yeah. Like that's above my prey grade. Like I don't have the power for that shit. So I think it's really interesting just sort of the... the coming back with honesty. She's coming back with honesty. Mm. And so maybe she's sort of like banking on having built enough trust with Sam previously that she doesn't deem the lie necessary anymore. I wonder also if she's also just using she's just using her knowledge of Sam she knows that Sam without Dean will still have a goal like Sam still she knows Sam's gonna want to go after Lilith and so it's sort of benefit she she doesn't need she doesn't need the lie anymore she can just kind of go with like you want Lilith gone I want Lilith gone we can want it for different reasons but we still both want it and I can help you with that like she knows his currency still even though you know it's coming from a much different place than before like it's it you know there it's operating out of a lot more um a reaction than a possibility it's not like the possibility of saving dean it's the reaction of like well dean's gone what does sam have left revenge the jonification of sam winchester is (laughs) fucking strong in this episode the mystery spots parallels the mystery spot parallels right Right? actually it's kind of perfect that you're here with us for this episode considering we did that one with you (laughs) yeah yeah well we just like when we're recording this we just just released released on our show on queering things we just released mystery spot which means i've just re-listened to it and have a relatively good memory of what we talked about (laughs) yeah and yeah like the idea that like sam like hey the trickster figured sam right out yeah going you will you will become so single-minded that you like cut off everyone who's left in your life including like bobby and joe and Mm -hmm. ellen and like anyone else you could have had connections to in the hunting world and you go full throttle. I'm going to cry and kill Lilith so much so that you're willing to like work with a demon who may or may not be telling you all the truth, you know. But what if the trickster was an angel? I swear to God, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) There's no new evidence of, there's no new evidence of this in this episode, Jamie. I know that. She just loves to bring it up whenever she can because she knows it pisses me off. (laughs) 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 Because there's no new information yeah oh god beth, beth can say exactly zero more things about it <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I'm having a great time. I don't know what y'all are on about. <laughs> so actually, um, with with Ruby, how so obviously Sam trusts Ruby. By the end of this episode, Dean kind of trusts Ruby. His apology, I'm gonna air quotes apology is the funniest shit. I swear to God. He's like, I guess I you know, and that's like as far as it gets. <laughs> and then <laughs> he's like, like, I owe you one. She's like, don't strain yourself. Like <laughs> I honestly love the Dean Ruby dynamic. Oh, me too. I love, I love that they, you know, have had so many interactions at this point, and they real like neither of them refuses to move an inch. Mm-hmm. And I like that energy. I like the fact that Dean's like, no, I'm just gonna refuse to give you anything even even if you have done some things that have been helpful even if you saved my life and my brother's life like I'm gonna owe you one it's not the same as an apology it's not the same as like I trust you it's just like you scratched my back okay maybe next time you need help maybe we'll help you or maybe I won't kill you (laughs) maybe (laughs) Maybe that's as far as it goes but no I do like I do like that we start to see Dean's like reluctant acceptance of Ruby's presence I guess Mm -hmm. Uh, especially even when like the angels appear at the end of this episode and like Ruby's very much like on their side of things I think that's it's it's definitely interesting and the reason I well part of the reason I bring it up is because we know how the boys are kind of feeling about Ruby but Jamie how are you feeling about Ruby with the new Mm -hmm. info like do you trust Ruby because I know like up to this point you haven't I still don't really trust Ruby like but here's the thing all right I would trust Ruby more if she wasn't fucking sad honestly just the icky vibes from that entire fucking scene have made me trust her less. Like, does that make sense? Like, does it feel like she's manipulate? Like, does it yeah, feel like she's it sort feels of using very manipulative? Sex? It feels kind of like she's like forcing him. He's like, no, basically, I'm still grieving. Like, fuck off. And she's like, oh, but like this body is ethical. And it's like that wasn't the concern. <laughs> that wasn't the concern. <laughs> the concern was that he was like, I shouldn't be having sex with anyone right now. I don't know, like just something about like it just felt so manipulative and like icky and like she's just pushing his boundaries just enough yeah. to get in. And and why she's doing that feels like dicey. Dicey. Yeah. yeah. And like well, and she's always had no your motive. Like we've mm. sort of always gotten that from her. And like, don't yeah. get me wrong, I don't think that it's sort of you know, like she's gonna like betray them and she's secretly evil and then she's gonna kill Sam and all this sort of shit. Cause like if she <laughs> wanted them dead, like they would be dead. They, yeah, would, they would be dead. dead. She had plenty of opportunities. She, she could also just not show up. She yeah, could just exactly. not show up and save their asses and they'd be dead. Basically. So it's like I don't think like you can't trust her in that way. I just don't trust what she's actually trying to do with Sam. Like I feel like I feel like there's like underlying mo- motivations or like something that she's not telling Sam about like his powers and the consequences of using them. Like, it just very much feels like she's sort of pushing him where she wants him instead of just asking him to step in that direction. Like, right. it just feels like there is that level, like, despite the fact that she's been honest this time that she couldn't have saved Dean, like, I just, I don't know, it just feels like she's, like, she's lying a little bit. Like, you know. Yeah, she's, I, she's getting him where, like, the place that she wants to push him towards, but yeah. it doesn't feel, it still feels like she's not, fully gonna lay out all the information or all the consequences she's just gonna sort of like yeah and it feels less like she's trying to help Sam and more like she's trying to help herself at this point like she started feeling more like she was trying to help Sam like last season and then this is just undone all of that like 
just not pretending based on like a saving Dean thing because she knows like Sam's and also Sam's self-destructive enough without Dean Mm -hmm. that she doesn't have to mask that as much like before she had to really make sure it was Sam knew she was prioritizing Dean and now Dean's out of the picture so Sam did say that he needed to be more like Dean to survive after Dean died. And like, look, he became a repression boy. So he's <laughs> certainly becoming more like Dean. <laughs> Actually, I know we already talked about like the Johnification of Sam. Yeah, but yeah. I also think like Sam desperate Winchester also made an appearance in today's episode. Oh, yeah. Like oh, Sam desperate Winchester makes an appearance every episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sam... And the more we find out about what Sam was doing while Dean was in hell, the more it's like, oh, this boy just was like, what is the series of choices that I could make that would concern Bobby the most? Mm, and can I yeah. make all of those choices <laughs> and and continually make all of those choices? Like, oh God, you just kept making those choices. Like, can I give this old man a heart attack with my life choices? <laughs> Can I ensure that he will lose not only one of his kids, but also his other kid? Oh, God. I'm going to try and make another Crossroads demon. Which, the Crossroads demon is like, oh, just round and round. This is exactly what I was saying. (laughs) So, though, theoretically, the way he responded to that suggests to me that, yeah, it is theoretically possible. If they manage to con a Crossroads demon into making another deal. You could reverse the deal. Theoretically, just keep like flip-flopping, keep switching. Right. And the reason they don't is because they're like, no, we want Dean. We know you specifically. We want you alive. Yeah. And we want Dean in hell. And we want Dean dead. It's very clear. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask Jamie about that in particular because, Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, they do say Dean's in hell right where we want him. We have everything exactly how we want it. Um, and that in line with the information we do actually get from Anna, which is like confirmation that the angels are actually losing because to this point we've had discussion I think in uh the great pumpkin Sam Winchester you know they talked about oh we lost this battle but there will be other battles I think Cass says Mm. but this is the first time we've got oh no they're losing like and losing losing with a capital L and the the thing is that they of course they are because the seals if it's just a matter of like breaking seals 66 random seals of 600 then like, of course they're going to be losing because any seals getting broken is pushing, like there's no yeah. reversing a seal. Like unless exactly. there's a way to reverse a seal, they are, ju- it's just getting, they're just getting closer and closer to the edge. Yeah. Which can we talk about for a second? What a <laughs> shitty fucking security measure this is. <laughs> like why? <laughs> why have 600 seals? Why? And I'd be like, oh, but you only have to break 66. Like what is the <laughs> point? What? <laughs> yeah. If, yeah, that's a bad, that's a bad if it was Such like a design you know, flaw. Yeah. If it was like, oh yes, you know, this is a, a lock and there are 600 possible, like, you know, combinations. Keys, you only have yeah. to unlock six, 600 possible keys, but you only have to find 66 of them. Yeah. That will work. And it, you know, like what's the, why? why? It's, so it's almost like finding a gate to hell and then sealing it up using <laughs> a gun as the key, but the gun can also kill everything. <laughs> Except John Winchester. <laughs> John Winchester and also they lost and also the gun is gone now and also limited bullets and also (laughs) you know there's there's there are holes nobody's Mm. security system seems very good the demons actually seem like they've got more going for them yeah (laughs) but even then a single angel managed to go in and yank Dean out well uh, do we is is it is it like a spoiler to 
I don't, I, okay, I don't, I don't think it's spoiler territory necessarily. So I'm going to tell you, I'm fairly certain that it's not just, I don't know if, okay, here's the problem. I don't remember if this is something we find out in the show or if this is just fanon that I just. I actually am not, also not sure as well. So look, we'll just tell you because it's not like okay. spoiler, spoiler. Might be right. And we'll find out if we're Might right. Might be fanon anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, so basically it wasn't, like from what I remember, it wasn't just Cass. Okay. Who went down? It was like a garrison, like like it was a big project. Like a lot of angels went into this, and Cass came back. Oh dang! Yeah, so, so they Cass were really like successful. We don't angel. need like two hundred angels. We need a Dean Winchester. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is- which considering considering the whole six hundred only needs sixty six is perhaps a bad idea because here's the thing. <laughs> If you had like 200 angels, you could assign a different angel to each seal that could possibly break. Mm. And all they have to do is prevent that one seal from breaking. Mm. And there's 200 seals that you've got protected. Yeah. What's Dean going to fucking do? Sorry. <laughs> saying, that, <laughs> saying that, I do think this lends credibility to my theory that like sort of like Sam is like the champion of hell and Dean is the champion of heaven. So it's like maybe that's why hell wants Dean in hell because if he's in hell, he can't fight the final battle. Right. They've got to keep him out of things. Yeah. Yeah. He has like significance to the final battle, but if he's not on earth, he can't fight it. Yeah. So as much as they want Sam Mm. to be in hell. That's less of a big deal if the Because here's the thing, if Sam's in hell and they need Sam on earth to fight the final battle on behalf of hell, they can just release him. They're the ones holding him in hell. Mm. Yeah. So Sam, so like, even if Lilith wants Sam dead, it's because she's a threat. He's a threat to her power. It's not the same. No. He's ultimately kind of destined to be on their side. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Fascinating. I mean, your logic is sound. Makes some sense. And I mean, Sam is going more that direction right now. Mm-hmm. And this is a Sarah Gamble episode. And we know. Sarah Gamble. <laughs> yes, I did note that when I when I saw her name come up, I was like, this is the good, the good stuff. It's got the good theorizing stuff in it. Yeah. And actually I realized it's Charles Beeson directed, who I think did playthings. Mm-hmm. Um, which Jamie also loved. So loved is a bit strong of a word, but I did like it. <laughs> it's super, it's supernatural. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I have a question. And this is just this is not necessarily related to supernatural, but it's happened in the show, so I'm gonna bring it up. Why in shows like this is everyone so fucking good at art? Like I the only person in this show who has been shown to have like an average person's drawing ability is Sam in bedtime mm-hmm. stories when he draws yeah. the stick figure. I'm like, that's the only art that's relatable. Looking at Anna's art in this, I'm like, how? I'm like, what? Well, you were a journalism major. You weren't a friggin' art major. Like, I don't understand. I Look, I'm just bad at art. But... <laughs> well, I, I mean, the, I, I give this one a little more of a pass because it's, like, very geometric and you can, like, kind of... Oh, I guess so. You know, like, you're drawing it. You're draw- It's a lot of shapes. Mm-hmm. Only because that's the only kind of art that I feel like I can do, like, sort of ad-libbed and be, like, reasonably satisfied with it. It's still a little bit better than I would think most average people yeah do. even the um like the raising of Sam Payne image and the, that's, the oh that's a good point like <laughs> those are two the good. witnesses yeah and I was like damn how did she do that <laughs> so she kept on here's the thing she kept on sketching the church window and I gotta wonder is she sketching the church window 
because that's what's familiar to her and she's just like sketching a familiar image over and over again or is she sketching the like church window because she's psychic and she knows something's going to happen there so it's more of a like a prophetic sort of drawing versus just like her sketching something that brings her comfort because it reminds her of church which is where she feels the most safe yes would you think about like people like lucas in dead in the water yeah drawing drawing a better drawer than me (laughs) (laughs) and that kid was like what six yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay that's a good point though so in terms of like anna what are you thinking about anna because like we said we didn't get a lot of info but like obviously this is a to be continued Mm. episode so like what do you no, think? Anna's just not going to be there next episode. She, yeah. <laughs> she was at one time only. She was a one time only. She got locked in the closet and she is just no longer there. Yeah. Gone. Ruby just, Ruby fucks off with Anna and they go and, and you never see from either of them again. Anna and Ruby are now BFFs and they're going on a road trip. <laughs> oh, I kind of love that. I mean, you do see Anna like, you know, start out in the beginning being like, it's a demon. And then mm-hmm. by the end is like, okay. Yeah, no, she's nice. (laughs) She saved my life. It's kind of cute, honestly. Isn't it? Okay, so this is another thing that we get about Anna is that she can see Ruby's true face, which last season, or I think... I remember you mentioning something about how, like, there are certain people who can see when, like, a demon's possessing someone because they can see the demon's face versus the body they're possessing. I mean, Dean could when he was being hunted by the Hellhounds. I was just going to say, most recently was, yeah, in the finale of season three. I don't think we've seen anyone else who can at this point. No. Wait, does that mean that Anna's being hunted by hellhounds? I don't know, Jane. <laughs> but did you have any any like thoughts or questions about Anna? I feel like any question I ask about Anna, you guys are going to do the same thing. And do you know what that is? I can't tell you. That's spoilers. <laughs> do you have any theories then based on the information you do have? Okay, so I'm going to say that I'm... I'm leaning more towards Anna being like some sort of like psychic or prophet or something like that versus her just sketching the image over and over out of comfort or whatever. Like, I feel like if she was going to sketch something that brings her comfort, she wouldn't necessarily pick the window. And she sketches other things that are very clearly like her knowing about events or something about events. Like it's, it's more of like, yeah, she's sort of drawing events versus just places where she feels safe or anything like that. Because, yeah, she had the Semaine drawing and all that sort of stuff. So, I don't know. I'm leaning more towards, like, sort of psychic or prophet. And, like, obviously she has some way of hearing, like, the angel's communication system, which I think they called angel radio. Yes, which is Mm -hmm. a term that will be continued to be used throughout the show. This is, like, this is now the official term. Is this the first time we hear it called angel radio? Nice. Because I don't think think the concept is introduced until this episode. Right. Do the demons have demon radio? Is that how they kill the chanting in hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's not because they have super hearing. <laughs> oh, um, I do. I do want to point out as well to do with angel radio. The first thing that Anna heard and the reason why she knew the day that she got like the ability yeah. was she knew it was September 18th because it was the day that Dean was raised. And the yeah. first thing she heard was Dean Winchester is saved. And I love that because it's the implication that, like we said, like Cass was the sole survivor coming back from that. And he like, I guess uh, internally screamed or like just however the angels communicate. Proclaimed. Proclaimed (laughs) so loudly and like aggressively or like maybe aggressively, it's not assertively. 
But anyway, the point is that he was so loud and impassioned that it somehow broke through to Anna, which is like crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it's not necessarily like Cass. It's it's more about a disturbance in an angel getting in and out of hell and surviving. Potentially. Like a shockwave. Like a shockwave sort of effect of, you know, like. Are you right? You yeah. like a thought's just occurred to you. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thought, but it's a thought. And now I'm about to make it everyone else's problem. Uh, <laughs> we love when the, you do that. That's mm. the motto for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've talked about how um, like hell is not necessarily a physical place. Like it might be a metaphysical plane of existence. Yeah. What if that just happens to map exactly onto the earth and like Anna just happened to be in the same place as all of the angels in the battalion and so sort of being surrounded by that energy is what and the energy of pulling a human soul out of hell yeah which would have presumably been a really big deal yeah i kind of have have either of you ever read a darker shade of magic by v.e schwab no no okay i would highly recommend it it's a really good series but essentially there's this concept within it which is kind of like what you just Mm. described where there's like four parallel versions of the same city I think the one that they use is London, but basically there's like, yeah, four parallel universes, but the map of the city is identical and certain characters can move between the layers. So like they can go to like one location in one city and like it's a pub or something. And then they go to the next location and it's like, it, like it's exactly the same. It's the same map. place, but it's a different like pain of existence. So yeah. they're in a different place but they're in the same location yeah and in the case of the um in the case of the books there's like different amounts of magic in each location and like different so like it's an entirely different like like you you might speak a different language like it's a different country there's different politics and everything but it's the exact same location yeah and it's it's a really good series I would highly recommend it that's super interesting Naomi put me on so I read that in like a week but anyway yes so I kind of love that idea of moving sort of between them creating this like ripple effect Right, this 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 noise comes through because it's actually happening really close to the surface. Especially if there's angels bringing from one plane, bringing up, bringing someone yeah. into a different plane. Like you're mm-hmm. ru- you're presumably having to rupture that time that space barrier. continuum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. And also, I think it also ties just into the whole thing. When we meet Cass, he says about how the person he's possessing, like he prayed for it. So, yeah. like presumably. In people who are devout, there might be some sort of like way to communicate with specific people through their religion. Like so angels like, can hear people's prayer, like hear a prayer. Yeah, like yeah. angels can hear their prayer and the, presumably there is some way for angels to communicate back. Mm-hmm. So like, and maybe because Anna was already devout because she was, of course, the daughter of a holy man. Mm-hmm like that translates into it as well that's really interesting actually because in Lazarus Rising Cass actually specifies like that he's been trying to talk to Dean and he says that some people special people can like perceive my true like mm. form my true voice and he thought that Dean would be one of those people so maybe Anna is one of those people Anna is one mm. of those people yeah he's a special child <laughs> like the angels version <laughs> angels were breaking into people's houses <laughs> What are, what are angels breaking into people, children's houses and what are they doing? I don't know. Like, I want to say just bleeding in their mouth for like the parallels, <laughs> but like that, that seems to be it. Um, like bleeding in someone's mouth seems kind of evil, like inherently. So 
But then again, we don't actually know at this point. Angel, angels could be evil. Mm. Like we, we, we don't, we just, like in this one, they say like, they're going to have to take care of her, which it presumably means. Well, I say like, they're going to kill her. They say she has to die. Yeah, the very They say she has to die. Cass says she has to die. But also in Leverage, which of course you've seen, mm. there is this joke in fandom, which is that like one day, one of the characters says to like the character who's like the, he, he's big and muscly and he beats people up essentially, that he, he says, um take them out. And then the guy misunderstands them and takes them on a date instead of killing them. And then, like, the whole, like, concept of, like, the double entendre of, like, well... Mm-hmm. Wait, so you think in next episode it's just going to be Cass taking Anna on a date? You think this is... <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't mean... Like, I think more like Spa Day. Like, she deserves to a lot. Anna go to the spa is, a, is an episode I would pay to see. Cass and Anna go to the spa. I just want to see Cass sitting, trying to go to the spa with the trench coat and, like, you know... Just wearing the trench coat in the spa. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, from context, you you can kind of assume they mean that, like, she's a liability because she can hear the angels. And, of course, if the demons manage to capture her, she is uh, something they can 100% use against the angels. So, presumably, their plan is kill her off and then she cannot cannot share any information with the other side if she's dead. Though that would be really funny if then she gets to like hell or whatever and like she can still hear the angels. Though but I don't if know she's if go chosen hell, by but... angels, if she, yeah, if she's like connected to the angels in some way. Maybe she'll go to heaven. But if, imagine if like there's something they don't know. Like she has actually made a demon deal and that's why she can see the faces. <laughs> and so she gets sucked into <laughs> hell and then she can still hear the <laughs> angels anyway. But now she's pissy at the angels because they killed her. So Anna is... <laughs> Anna is chosen by angels and that's why she can hear the voices but then she's also made a deal which is why she can see demons and then they kill her and then she goes to hell and but she's now on the demon side because the angels killed her is that like that's your theory I love this so much and I I love it your theory about Anna is the same as your theory about Dean like think about it (laughs) wait like I mean we had angels made a demon deal went to hell Dean's plotline. Dale is happy that he's there, but the angels are like not good. <laughs> so you're just saying that Anna is Dean coding. <laughs> I mean, we had Ava and Sam coding. Ava yeah. was robbed. I'm gonna die. That's <laughs> Look, I'm not saying I think it's gonna happen. I'm just saying I think it would be fun. The dots do connect and they make a picture. I've connected the guys. dots. <laughs> But no, I think it would be very fun if, like, the whole reason the angels are like, oh, no, we got to kill Anna. Like, she's too much of a liability. She can, like, hear our plans ahead of time because she can understand what we're saying. And then, so they're like, oh, yeah, the solution is to kill her. And then there is something they didn't factor in and she actually goes to hell. Mm. And now she's, like, pissy because... Yeah, she's pissy because the angels killed her. So she's like, hell yeah, help you out. Like Anna Anna and Ruby become besties because Anna comes back from hell and is on the demon side. Yeah. So it's actually Ruby and Anna go to the spa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that date, that's a date. I mean, honestly, there's some chemistry. I could buy it. Right? I mean, there's some, <laughs> it's some, like, they spend, like, half an hour together. 
And I was fully convinced that Ruby's a good person. <laughs> and you want to know what? There's almost more chemistry between right? Ruby and Anna than there is between Sam and Ruby. Because it doesn't feel the same level of manipulation. No, like, it feels like they genuinely like each other as people, like not... As demons and people? Yeah. <laughs> as beings. As beings. As yeah. beings. <laughs> we are inclusive here. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Very quickly, while we're kind of on the topics of angels and demons and like sort of swapping between the two, very quickly, I do kind of love the aesthetic and the inherent comparison of Ruby having the black trench coat in the other vessel. I kind of love that. I'm like, oh, we're just going to have like demons wear dark trench coats and angels wear tan trench coats. I just, that's just fun. And even the sense that like, you know, Castiel has a connection to Dean and then heaven, you know, having some sort of plan for Dean, as Cass said, the first time mm-hmm. he met Dean, like when he first time they met in the barn and like Ruby seeming to have plans for Sam that yeah. may or may not be demonic, like the dark, mm-hmm. like that all like. We have already spotted the parallels. Like we have called them out before because yeah. they're not being subtle about them. <laughs> oh no. I did actually, there's a line from Ruby to Sam in this episode, which made me think of a future dialogue moment. And we had, uh, I think, in a I think maybe an hour again in Juice and Below I think we talked about there's a line towards the end of there where Ruby says that basically she wasn't going to stick around to watch them fail and I said well in a couple of seasons time that sort of similar line is going to come back and like not not word for word but close enough that it's like oh that sounds familiar and in this episode we had her say to Sam I'm a fugitive for you Sam I did all of this to get back to you And again, not word for word, but there is a line in future dialogue between different characters, which is going to kind of echo this sentiment Mm -hmm. of like, I did all of it for you. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's going to be interesting looking back when you look at the Sam and Ruby dynamic versus, you know, these other characters, how that's interpreted. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I have no insight. Well, you will. (laughs) But what if I don't want inside? Tough nuggets. And <laughs> uh, Supernatural Podcast may not have been the place for you. <laughs> On demons, we are introduced to a new demon. Alistair. Alistair. White eyes oh, like yeah. Lilith. White eyes like Lilith. So we Who know that he's relatively me. powerful. Who, yeah, who specifically recognizes Dean. Do we have any thoughts on Alistair at all? I'm not looking for any specifics. Just as a new character, what's, Just, what's what the What did vibe? you think of a new, and also a new character that like with, a similar power level, presumably, to, to Lilith, Lilith, which is like the one of the most powerful demons we've met. Yeah, and who Ruby is clearly scared of. Manipulate, male wife, manslaughter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, he just, he feels like Lilith's equal, but also like kind of her lackey. Okay. Oh, like You know what I mean? Like it kind of, it feels like despite the fact he's just as powerful as Lilith, like he's not the one calling the shot. I kind of love that assessment, actually. Do you think they're, do you think they're, you mean like they think they're working together or do you, or just like she's has more say or power and he's more likely to be? I don't know if they're working together or not. Look, I don't think that like Lilith hates him the way she hates like Ruby or something because I don't think he's actively working against her, but I don't know if he's necessarily on her team. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I know it kind of feels like he's just like playing the game, trying to work out like the best moves for him. Like, you know oh, what I mean? Like he's he's in it for himself and 
do you mean kind of like so if you think of it I, I often find that when we're talking about hierarchies for like heaven and hell and stuff it's easy to think of it in like the concept of like a company or a business model yeah so like like Lilith is like the CEO a hundred percent so then you're imagining like Alistair is like still high up he's still like in the board meeting yeah yeah, yeah. but he's ultimately not calling the shot like he's yeah. like head of a department maybe he's like CFO Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's got quite a bit of power, but ultimately he's not making the final, final decisions. Yeah. Like, yeah. like he has his own department. He's still running things. He's still got his own minions, but like he's not like the top of the food chain. Ultimately, all of his decisions have to go through Lilith before yes. they get approved. Okay. And it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not vying for her job. Right. Well, he's trying to cap. He's trying to capture Anna. Yeah. Like that's the main thing we know about him is that he wants. He wants, and we know there's a bunch of demons after Anna because they, they tell us that, but like Alistair specifically. And also we, we find out that Alistair specifically was torturing Dean. Yes, he was. I'm sure they have a lot of fun memories together. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Okay. And that's that's all your thoughts on Alistair? Yeah. All right. Head empty, no thoughts. Head empty, no thoughts. He has the knife now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I obviously. mean, to be fair, though, Sam kind of left it in him. So, <laughs> like, I feel like he deserves it. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I, Dean sort of points that out. Dean's like, come on. Like, really? Of all things to do, you lost the knife. I love at the very end when Ruby's like, where's the knife? And Dean's like, oh, about that. And she gets pissy. And he's like, don't look at me. <laughs> and, like, completely <laughs> throws Sam under the bus. Nice little sibling moment there. Because, like, yeah. Sam's just pissy because Dean blamed him. Yeah. Like, Though I will say, I did love the moment where Ruby sort of by necessity is forced to possess the maid. And like, she's like, don't get fucking pissy with me. This is your bullshit. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to do this. Like, My preferred body is rotting currently. So hurry the so fuck up. So hurry the fuck up. <laughs> absorb the information. Use your goddamn brain. Ruby's like, if I could do this myself without your help, I would. But I need you. So like, get your shit together. So I very quickly wanted to talk about the effects that they used when Sam is stitching up his arm. Oh man, I I think it's very, very effective because it's really gross. I can't, like, I can't look at it. I miss like that in later seasons of Supernatural. Like I mm. miss the like scenes where they're dealing with injuries. Yeah. Really, like where, where they actually have to stop and like, you know, Dean's got to wait around with his dislocated shoulder because Sam's got to stitch himself up so he won't bleed out. Like, it adds an air of like, oh yes, there are stakes to like getting your ass whooped by a demon. They're only human, I think is the mm-hmm. the element. Yeah. And it's, I think- So I, you're saying later on they become not human. <laughs> I didn't say that. I did not say that. <laughs> no, I just said the show, like the show spends less time on- scenes like that in the future for a variety of reasons I think I I still I still kind of wish that in the 40 years Dean spent in hell he had become a demon I think that would be really fun to then like have him yanked out of hell as a demon and then have him try to hide it from Sam I mean you're not she's not wrong and I mean (laughs) and I mean at this point Sam's basically not a human anyway like he's (laughs) boy psychic boy at Stanford. <laughs> Smanford. He, from Smanford. From <laughs> he went from LAW boy to L-O-R-E boy to psychic, psychic boy. boy. <laughs> <laughs> to Antichrist boy. <laughs> to Lucifer boy. 
because that's where I think this is all that it, where it's all gone. Okay, eventually the whole point is get Lucifer out of hell, and the reason they want Sam on hell is so that Lucifer can possess Sam and get all the like <laughs> bonus psychic powers that Ruby's now training him to have. <laughs> the good supernatural that lives in Jamie's head. <laughs> Yeah, the good supernatural that lives in my head where they actually follow through on literally any <laughs> plot line they introduce. Because that's my issue with this fucking show. They introduce shit and then like three episodes later it's like, <laughs> nah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not great at uh, continuity for a lot of things. No, we have a lost canon jar in our show yeah. where we literally <laughs> talk every week about what are the things that they are just going to never bring up again. <laughs> Happens enough that it's a whole segment. <laughs> Which actually comes around to like what we were just talking about, which is like, yeah, in later seasons, we don't really see them patching each other up. And even we've talked about before, I think in even maybe in season one, where they were, there was the scene they're talking and they were like, like reloading their guns or something or cleaning the guns maybe. Mm. And I was saying that like, we don't really see them doing that much maintenance. Oh work. yeah, they were just chatting and they were like cleaning their guns and like sorting yeah, out all the animal or, like and... making bullets, like stuff that yeah. makes sense that they have to do. And mm-hmm. in this, especially in Kripke era, it's a lot more prevalent. And then as we go on, it sort of becomes, if you ever see a scene like that, it's kind of like making a point. Like I think I said to you way back when, in later seasons, if we see Dean like cleaning his weapons, it's usually an indicator of how his mental health is. Like, yeah, it's, it's more of a symbol than it is actually just a like practical, practical necessity. Yeah, exactly. So y'all are implying there is ever a time in Supernatural where Dean's mental health is good. Oh no, just points where it's worse than normal. Yeah, just when, just, you know, it's, it's like, it's like a car that's driving towards a cliff at all times. And it's just like how many wheels are like on the road versus <laughs> off the cliff. How close yeah. we are to just tumbling entirely. Yes, that's a great <laughs> We're never not on the road. We're never not on the road. One bad flat tire away from total disaster. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of bad mental health, I think let's pull back to Sam very quickly. <laughs> So the pic- what Sam's the picture of mental health this season? <laughs> unhinged. I <laughs> by the end of this episode, like I said, like Dean and Ruby are kind of like more reluctantly buddies. Like not like they don't like Allies. each other. Allies, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I I personally think that the thing that tipped it over the edge for Dean was it, depending on, I guess it's hard because like Sam's obviously recounting the story. We get to see it as the audience, how it actually happened. Dean obviously gets whatever version Sam verbally gives him. Which apparently includes a bunch of details about their sex life. Yeah, so I guess if he's being that detailed, then maybe Dean actually does get a pretty thorough play-by-play of the whole conversation. Not that he wants it. <laughs> I do love when they cut to his reaction. And Sam's going to be so like, Sam often, whenever Dean makes a sex joke, Sam is so holier than thou about it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hilarious watching Sam now be graphically detailed yeah. and Dean be grossed out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Sam, you cannot now complain whenever Dean tells you about his sex. You can't, you can't complain again now. Yeah, exactly. Cross that privilege. You cross that line. <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode is obviously, ends up being framed a lot around Sam and Ruby and like how their relationship happened literally like I mean it's called I know what you did last summer and it's about the time that they spent together while Dean was in hell what Sam did last summer was Ruby (laughs) well yeah I have a TikTok (laughs) saved with a with a very funny audio as a joke about that for when season four starts literally made like three months ago and I'm just hanging on till till like October (laughs) I look forward to seeing it but the part that is different because like we know that Ruby saved their lives before like we know that 
Ruby has said, like, I was a human once. Like, I know what it's like to, like, you know, lose people. Like, we already knew all this. The one thing that changed is when Sam tries to go on that suicide mission and she's like, this is not what Dean would have wanted. This isn't what he died for. And she actually, like, stands up for what, like, she tries to appeal to Sam through Dean in a different way, you know? And so it's kind of like that whole, like, are you going to make his sacrifice like in vain like what was the point of him going to hell if you're not going to actually stick around and live the life that he sacrificed his own so that you if you're both gonna die yeah in the end exactly like what was the point of dean making this deal spending eternity in hell only for you to willingly let yourself be killed what within the first six months unnecessarily yeah how are you honoring his sacrifice i guess and for me i think that that is the turning point Mm. i guess when Ruby made that point like arguing Dean's case because she yeah. didn't have to do that she could have been like well I mean I guess if you want to act like reckless or whatever like I can't stop you and like ultimately yes like she does want Sam around because she wants him to take out Lilith like so she has that motivation she's got an external reason but she's smart enough to use a reason that will actually work on Sam yeah I also think that it's for Dean I think that might be the thing that maybe was different because like I said like he already knew all the other stuff but something changes between Sam telling him that story and the next time he sees Ruby. And I think that that must be it. Like that sort of where she was trying to get Sam to see it, I guess, from his perspective when he couldn't be there to do it himself. Mm -hmm. I will say though, let's contrast this against Sam's reaction when, uh, when John died. John died and Sam was like, oh, gotta respect his wishes. Can't do anything that John wouldn't want me to do. Actually, that's a really <laughs> good point. And that was very interesting. And Sam was like, nah, fuck that. I don't respect the sacrifice Dean made for me. I'm going to fling myself off a cliff. <laughs> I'm going to just go on a couple of suicide missions and hope one of them kills me. Well, it's because it's because when John, Sam loses John, he doesn't lose someone very important to him. <laughs> like, I'm just going to say it. Like, he does not, he, he like, the only reason Sam feels guilty about John's death is because like he didn't leave on good terms and it is his, like, you know, is his dad and like blah, blah, blah. But it's like all obligation based. Like yeah, all the ways yeah. he feels bad about John dying are all obligation related. Like you're not, I'm not, I'm never going to believe that John, Sam is not ultimately glad that John made that deal. So that like, if it's John or Dean staying alive and wants it to be Dean. He's but essentially also- choosing, that would be like, who would you rather stay alive? Your drill sergeant or your parent? Like that's, yeah, you know, and like, yeah, <laughs> you're, or maybe in for Sam, like, who would you rather stay alive, your soccer coach or your parent? Like, we- <laughs> like drill sergeant and soccer coach allude to a level of respect for John that <laughs> Sam does not have. Okay, that's a good point. Your, uh, your, whoa, what's a good, um, essential stranger that sometimes abuses you versus your high school your, bully. Your, your high school bully. John is Sam's high school bully. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. Half <laughs> of this episode, I'm it's, it's your high school me. bully versus the kid that defended you from the high school bully. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a great point. That's actually, I think, the best analogy. And yeah. it's like, obviously, don't condone matter. But if it was the trolley problem and you were faced with who do you save, the one who's always Sam doesn't blink. Or yeah, exactly. Like Sam's gonna. Sam's going to choose to run over John with a trolley. It's not a question. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Let's face it. If he had just shot 
John when he was possessed by Azazel with the gun that kills anywhere in a location that would have actually fucking killed both of them. All of this shit would be avoided. I feel like every this couple of episodes, you bring it back All to the point this that shit would have been avoided. <laughs> it's if, true. If Azazel had been dead, Demon Hunger Games never would have happened unless some other demon picked up the pieces of what Azazel yeah. had done. But even then, I'm finding, like, based on how unorganized the rest of the demon army is, <laughs> I'm finding it unlikely that someone else is like, ah, oh, yes, Azazel's research. I'm going to continue with that. <laughs> it's going to get buried at the bottom of some stack of papers in, in yeah, his office. Yeah. And, be yeah. under, and, you know, someone's going to find it in 100 years and be like, oh, this old trash. Like, we don't need this anymore. <laughs> like, such, a, such a visionary. Shame they died so young. <laughs> <laughs> But that's it. That's it. Sam just goes. Sam has way more to lose with Dean, and he just his everything. He, every choice he makes is based on that. And I think, yeah, I think it's really smart that you pointed out that Ruby appeals to that. Okay, let's talk about Sam typecast in a bit. Okay. He sees the little girl. He's like, "That's Lilith." Oh yeah, <laughs> she couldn't possibly be in any other vessel, despite the fact that she's been a step ahead of ahead of me at every point of this fucking. And the life. last time you saw her, she was in an older vessel, and that exactly. was part of the problem: is that you didn't see it coming. But also, the thing is, actually, he's only ever seen Lilith as a little girl once, because he never in Juice and Bellow when she comes and murders the entire. She's not there. He doesn't oh. see Lilith. Oh, yeah, good point. He does not see Lilith. He doesn't know that she was a little girl. For the only time he sees Lilith as a little girl is at the end of third season when they try to kill her. Yeah. That's the only time he actually sees Lilith. That's like the writers thinking that Sam would typecast when it doesn't actually make sense. What the fuck would have happened if he had just stabbed her? Yeah. Like, that's just a little kid. That's just a kid. And also the thing is we learn in this episode that uh, Ruby's demon knife isn't really... Like, it doesn't really work against demons with white right. eyes. Yeah, it would have been like trying to use it on Azazel. Yeah. Like, it obviously hurts them. It's obviously, like, worse than, like... It's uncomfy. It's uncomfortable, but it's, like, not... Not fatal. Even no, in the yeah. heart, it's not fatal. And that's the whole thing with, like, why Ruby... Like, if Ruby just needed the knife, she would just do it her fucking self. But, like, that's why We love she's... a DIY bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why she, like, needs Sam. And actually, I did want to quickly talk about it as well, but I, there's not a huge amount to say on it. The fact that Sam, like, so very quickly and willingly is like, yeah, I'll use my psychic stuff. Like, it doesn't even take convincing. No. Like, she's, he's like, you want me to use my psychic, whatever. And I'm like, wow, vague. To be fair, he knows jack shit at this point. Yeah. And then yeah. she's yeah. like, you know, I know that, you know, you don't want to. He's like, no, I'll do it. Like, it's <laughs> funny, like damn, uh, okay. you know, After promising Dean. Yeah, right. Dying wish. And after, like, lying to Dean's face, like, two seconds after Dean got out of hell, lying to Dean's face and being like, being like, how dare you accuse me of using my powers? It was practically your, your dying, dying wish. wish. Like, how dare you accuse me? And then, like... That's my favorite Sam impression I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, also, another interesting Sam moment. When they go to see uh, Anna's family home and they find her parents that have been murdered in the house... But they're like at the door and Dean's like, maybe they're not home. And Sam's like, both their cars are in the driveway. And I was so confused. I was like, Sam, babe, have you never heard of people going on a walk? Like you don't have to take your car everywhere. And then I had the horrible realization that actually the concept of a leisurely stroll has probably never occurred to Sam. Like, I mean, yeah, but like. If he was time in college in pre-law to go for a leisurely walk. 
or just the concept of like being able to go somewhere without using a car because like they've lived basically in their car but also presumably he was living on campus and normally if you're living on campus you walk everywhere because the whole point of being on campus is that you don't actually have to catch like you don't have to drive everywhere there is either easily available public transport straight to class or like you walk yeah but that's not leisure he still does understand that there are ways of going somewhere without taking a car. Yeah. Like, what if they had a dog? What if they were just taking the dog on the walk? Oh, yeah. But they also, like, I think the reason maybe the suspicion is, is that that they're still home is coming from, like, A, you didn't wait very long, and B, like, it's a big house. They could be in another room. And C, like, we know demons are after their daughter. So, like, the chances of something suspicious. What yeah, I'm yeah. more concerned about is the unlocked door. See, yeah I, okay so I grew up in an area that is like not not specifically like super unsafe but like I grew up in an area of town where there like was some like drug and gang activity and you know I grew up in like a safer neighborhood in that kind of side of town we like never left our door unlocked and we lived in like the suburbs um and then I moved to where I live now and it's a lot safer of a community in terms of like there's just not as much ha- not as much happens like it's rare that there's crime of any kind in our neighborhood or even just like on this island in general and people don't lock their doors the same way here like my partner grew up in a small town and didn't grow up locking their doors and I I just I just don't understand it because a my experience and then also I watch every show specifically I watch Supernatural and I'm like why would you leave your door unlocked so we we also live in like an okay not great area like there's definitely sides to our town which are like safer and and less so when I was growing up my mom's house was like it's basically right on the edge of like you you literally you walk one direction and it's like oh this is unsafe and you walk the other direction you're like oh this is like relatively safe and mom's house is like smack bang in the middle I could not imagine not like locking everything like even when you're home even when you're home like that's the thing is like I, I, I know lots of people who don't leave their don't lock their doors if they're home yeah. Where I'm like, that's we don't lock our doors when we're home. I we only lock them like at night and that. Like if we're, we're going that's, to bed. But that's it. that's the thing is I'm like they they they're home and their door is unlocked. I don't understand that. Yeah, I can't imagine not locking the door. Like it, the place that we lived before we lived here, we actually had someone like actively try and break in while we were home. Yeah. It was the like because we could like see the doorknob turning and they're like yelling through the door and I was like we ended up locking ourselves in the bathroom like if we hadn't locked the door then that would have been a very big problem because they were on lots of drugs yeah no I can't imagine just leaving everything unlocked that's insane to me like so Naomi grew up on the nice nice side of town and so now that she lives here she like we'll be like going out I went out one morning and I was like Naomi and she was like yeah I was like your car boot is open She's like, what do you mean? I was like, it's fully open, like not just unlocked, like it's just open. And she was like, oh, I must have forgot to close it. I was like, did you not check when you locked your car? Like it doesn't let you lock it if the boots up. She's like, oh, I don't lock my car. I was like, are you insane? No matter how safe it safe it is, safe it is. Yeah. like, like I'm why, not why my car you have a lock though. for a reason. Yeah, why would like, you risk why it? Why would I invite someone to steal something from me? Yeah, like if someone's gonna break in, I'm not gonna make it easy. Like <laughs> I want them to have a ch- I want there to be a challenge like exactly you know. I want to, do you know what if someone's gonna rob me I want to at least respect their craft you know like I don't want them to just be letting themselves in no no I want them to have to work for my television <laughs> and, if Sam, 
men of Seventeen Winchester want to investigate inside my house, I want them to have to, you know, do the fun little lockpicky thing. I want right. them to have to, you know, find a window that's cracked a tiny bit and like break the glass. I don't know. I want them yeah. to have to get creative. I want there to be a more interesting scene than just like, oh, we just turned the knob and it worked. Yeah. <laughs> lazy writing. Lazy Come writing. on, Sarah Gamble. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I did. I did very quickly want to talk about when. Sam and Dean are in the car and Dean is trying to get out of Sam like why do you trust Ruby so much right and Sam like turns it back on him and says like oh how about we trade stories like tell me about hell savage it's savage but I also think it's really unfair it is really unfair there's not the same thing no because like Dean's question is like hey why are we implicitly trusting this person? Like, uh, this is actually like relevant information that I need for my safety and like tactical reasons and stuff. Like, I need to know what your relationship is because it impacts me. And Sam's like, hey, tell me about your recent trauma. Like, it has no real, like, just tell me about how you were horribly tortured. Yeah, exactly. So that we're even on information? Like, not how that works. Whether or not Sam knows the extent or like the details of Dean's torture does not actually affect like Sam's immediate life in terms of his safety or his tactics Mm -hmm. or his like whatever. But there's no reason he needs to know. No, exactly. Other than like to support Dean, but Dean's already told him as much as that's not why he's asking. And then he's asking in in a way of like of like, I won't tell I'm not gonna tell any of my information unless you tell yours. It's very like Yeah, which is just I don't think it's fair. I think Sam's being a bit of a dick. Yes, yes. He's he's trying to he's trying to deflect from having to tell because he's like, oh, if I make it about like you have to share or I'm not going to share, you're not going to want to share. Yeah. It also comes directly off the moment of honesty last episode with Dean, where he's like, look, yes, I remember it all. Like it's a shitty memory for me. Yeah. No, I do not want to share this. Like mm. I will not lie to you about this, but I do not feel comfortable reliving those memories by telling them to you. Which is not the same as what Sam has been doing with Ruby. Sam has been skirting the questions and yep. like, li- and straight up lying. Whereas Dean has not. Well, Dean was actively lying, but like for a different for different reasons. And and has also come clean about that now. Has been like, yeah. Sam's been lying because he doesn't think Dean will approve of what he's doing. Mm. Dean's been lying because he doesn't want to relive the forty years he spent in hell. Which is like very, and and again, like you said, Beth, like one of those has a big impact on their actual lives and safety right now. And one of those literally doesn't have any relevance. I would just like to say for the record that I reckon they should just stab Sam. Sam is very stabbable. He's been shown <laughs> to be susceptible to stabbing before. They keep on going, how are we going to kill Sam? Fucking stab him, mate. Stop trying to use your like mind powers on him. And just fucking stab him. It will kill him. It works. We know this. (laughs) What I do want to ask about, though, is Jamie's PSA. Because I have a guess. Oh, I was about to do that one. So if we're ready, we can do do my PSA now. Abigail, do you have a guess? Do you have a guess? Uh, My only guess is, I I kind of said it earlier, but make sure that you are are safe, use safe practices when you have sex. Maybe be careful of the environment you're in thinking somewhere along those lines you know safe sex practices okay Okay. that's a very good one my guess is that you shouldn't take medication with alcohol you Ah, should take it with water that was literally my psa last week Beth. was it (laughs) 
My, my PSA, Wait, genuinely, was it? My PSA <laughs> last week was don't self-medicate with alcohol. Oh, that's so self-medication. So that falls into the same fucking category. No, I'm not that doesn't. derivative. No, it's not the same. He's not using It's not the same, but it is similar. He's using the alcohol to swallow the medicine. No, it's, <laughs> still very, it's still similar. It's still very similar. Okay, what is it? Whose side are you on, Abigail? <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be a team. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. God, I, damn, I can't wait to get someone on who hasn't seen all of Supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's your PSA? My PSA for this week is don't jump out of stained glass windows. Oh, <laughs> that's a bit fucking specific. <laughs> How many times have you been in a situation where you could jump out of stained glass window, Jamie? I love that it's specifically stained glass window and not just window. Like I could jump out this window and that would be fine. Or don't jump through windows. <laughs> Is it like don't jump out windows or don't jump through? Oh yeah, good windows. point. Good clarification. Are we allowed to open the window and then jump out? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay, good. So just don't jump through windows. <laughs> implicitly about the way the stained glass is made and a the fact that stained glass takes forever to fucking make so you're ruining someone else's life and then also (laughs) just the safety issue of like smashing through a stained glass window what would you have suggested that they do instead in this scenario shoot out the window first that would (laughs) i mean i guess i would solve the danger have the same risk of like because they like they like straight up smash through it i mean dean does dislocate his shoulder I want to know what they landed on though, because I feel like there was just stairs, right? It is. And I know this because I have been to, not inside this church, but I have been to the outside of this church because it's a very iconic Vancouver church. Oh, so I've been, cool. I've stood on the steps of this church before and been like, <laughs> that's supernatural. <laughs> supernatural. <laughs> that's my favorite hobby in Vancouver is just going to churches and being like, <laughs> supernatural. <laughs> I love that for you. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Um, yeah, it's it's a Catholic church in Vancouver. Like it's beautiful. It's beautiful church. Like that stained glass is it's beautiful. And but yeah, it's just concrete stairs. It's just stairs, and then like the sidewalk. It's uh, be, uh yeah. You definitely. Um, I don't think. I think they get off pretty easy. <laughs> I think the funniest part of this scene is that. They, and they make the point, like, obviously they're quite, like, significantly injured and, like, Dean makes the point of, like, you think this is letting us off easy or whatever or, like, letting us get away. And, like, they jumped out of a multi-story building through glass onto concrete steps. And I'm just they kind do of get like, off how, easy. how did they actually get away? Because Alistair is just standing there looking down at them. I'm like, do you know how quickly well, he could just Sam run? even says... He thinks he's let them. He's letting them go. I think Sam makes yeah. that point. Because I'm like, how quickly are these boys getting up and like what limping away? <laughs> to be fair, though, it seems like none of their injuries are on the lower half of the body. They're all like, <laughs> like, because you know, it's like it's Sam's arm that, that's cut, and like they don't seem to have hit heads either. Doesn't seem to be head or 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 legs. So just Maybe arm they just injuries. Landed well, you somehow they managed to land only on their torsos. <laughs> I don't know how that works. They just like tuck themselves up into little balls and just. (laughs) No concussions today. And we know how prone Sam is to concussions. (laughs) Oh, I remembered my point from before when we were talking about Ruby and and Dean and that. I realized Jamie mentioned that last episode, Dean said that uh, he was not going to lie anymore, but he wasn't going to talk anymore either. Like he's like, I'm not going to elaborate, but I'm just, I'm not going to lie anymore. And we talked about in our episode how that was actually quite like, we thought an emotionally mature response. 
Yeah, setting a, setting, communicating a need, setting a boundary. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, especially with the boys, like they don't have very healthy communication styles, just typically, or like trusting issues. There's a whole bunch of shit here. We know these, they're traumatized. No, we don't have time to unpack all that. (laughs) They're literally (laughs) traumatized to hell and back. Like there's a lot going on. (laughs) I just wanted to point out when Dean is asking about Ruby before Sam actually gives him the full backstory, he actually specifically says, I'm not trying to pick a fight. I just want to, un- like, I really want to understand. And I just wanted to point that out because it's it's a continuation of that, not surprising, but rare yeah, <laughs> emotional uncommon. maturity. Yeah. You know what it is? He's now mentally like 60 years old because he spent 40 years <laughs> in hell and he's finally growing up a little bit. He's, you know, I, I was, I was going to say it's, it's because he's uh, traumatized and, uh, you know, afraid of, afraid of, being, he's like, he's conflict and he's just like, he just really needs to make sure that Sam is, him and Sam are okay because nothing else is okay. It's fine. It's a trauma response or it's a growing up response. I just, I wanted to point it out because I thought it was like a, it's a nice moment, I think, of his character. Like there's just a little mm-hmm. bit more emotional maturity in these last two episodes than we've necessarily seen from him before regardless of like the reasoning for that mm-hmm. but he actually like weirdly is being more open and honest in these last two episodes than potentially some of the rest of the series yeah I mean and and more like he's trying you know imperfectly but he's trying to just be curious about what Sam's been doing rather than jumping to a conclusion yeah which is a growth where if we whereas before it was always just like she's a demon this yeah. can't be good whereas now he's going okay like you trust her and I generally speaking trust you so if you give me some more information like I can continue to trust you yeah but I actually need that information so that I can make a decision for myself as to whether or not I trust her or if I think that you have been misguided yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think, a lot of it is he's trying to make sure that Sam is not being manipulated. He's going, especially now that I know that you've been, like, sleeping together, like, I yeah. want to make sure that you're not, your judgment's not clouded. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This is a reference that I don't think you'll get, Abigail, but I need to point it out because I think it's very funny. The uh, angel statue crying tears of blood. Oh, yes. <laughs> Leverage parallel. Ah, uh, Nice. I just appreciate it as like a, as like a, a religious, like visual, like a meta, like another, like one of those like heavily religious metaphorical visual symbols that we're getting a lot of in this season, like from episode one of season four, we've been getting so much of those visuals and I love them. Actually, there was one in this episode that I wanted to point out uh, towards the end when just before the angels actually show up, Dean and Sam and Ruby are all kind of scrambling um, and Anna's been hid in the back room. Every time you see Dean, he has the overhead lamp either over his shoulder or behind his head. It's like that halo effect that they use quite a bit. They've been using a lot of that light imagery with Dean this season since the the resurrection. Yeah, and but particularly like right before the angels come in, it's really interesting because you have Sam on one side, Dean in the middle with this like halo of light sitting literally right over his shoulder. And then you have Ruby as well. It's interesting. It's kind of like he's surrounded by all of this sort of like hell imagery and like the Mm -hmm. whole dynamic between Ruby and Sam, but behind him over his shoulder is is the angelic symbolism. And it's, it's very interesting, I think, especially because in that moment, obviously they're about to be confronted by the angels themselves. Mm -hmm. So also I want to notice again, like Cass and Dawes is like just a really funny 
just theme that plays through the series where he just doesn't like doors I swear to god he either bashes them in or flips them open or like whatever it's always dramatic he like just walk through a door normally it's okay can't do it he's incapable <laughs> he's such it's a the drama gay audacity queen. he could use Jamie's PSA of just use the doors normally just don't get fancy with it so what I was actually pointing out in that parallel is I I'm think sorry. it's really interesting in Leverage, they use the crying angel as like a sign of intervention from God. Yeah. Whereas in this episode, they use the crying angel as a sign that demons are on the way. Like yeah. they use it as a like That's sort a of a bad thing. A, yeah, heralding of yeah. demonic. Which demonic. I really like. I really, really like that use. It is an interesting um, comparison though, because yeah, normally if you had like a, a weeping statue, it is the symbolism of like, it's a holy miracle. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting that obviously they had crying tears of blood. So you have this sort of like it's a more negative thing. connotation, but it is, it certainly is an interesting use of the imagery. Okay. So we talked very briefly about angel radio. Yes. But I think we really glossed over some of the implications of angel radio. Okay. And um, like just the fact that the what the way the angels are actually coordinating is way more organized than whatever the fuck the demons are doing. Yeah. Because sort of at the moment, all the demons are doing is like whatever the fuck Lilith says. Mm-hmm. Like they frame it as like, you know, like Lilith is calling the shots. Lilith is choosing which seals to target. Lilith is like, so they're very much got like a one person in charge sort of thing. Whereas it doesn't really seem like the angels have that, no. which is weird considering the whole point of this is that the demons are trying to release their leader. They're trying to release Lucifer, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So they're trying to release Lucifer. And so you'd assume that the angels would have God, but it seems like the angels don't have one person who's like... They're just all cross-communicating. Yeah. yeah. It, like it, it's like they're all just sort of like chatting to each other and trying to work out amongst themselves. It doesn't really seem like they've got a leader either. Yeah, it is interesting we can't really speak too much to mm-hmm, it, but no. that you you will get more information about this very soon. Yeah, angel angel politics is going to be pretty imminent. Explained and like demonstrated. Actually, one thing that has always kind of confused me about angel radio, and it kind of goes into what Jamie was just saying, is it literally just every single angel just speaking at once? Or is do you reckon it's kind of like Discord? Where like you can I have think like, it's kind of like Discord, sub, like you can sub chats. <laughs> like different frequencies I guess I think I think so I think there might even be some points where they talk about different like because there seems to be some like you can communicate because we get that line from Cass later where it's like everything's just waves or whatever I also I would find it fucking hilarious if like it seems like Anna's been tuned into like the radio station that's playing like all the war updates what if there's (laughs) one dude like and he's just tuned into like I don't know where the angels are swapping recipes like like you know what I mean it's like, the it's the non-work channel on the yeah, discord on yeah. the radio discord <laughs> one random human is just like really astutely tuned into like the one bitchy group chat <laughs> they've got like a single group chat where everyone's just bitching about whatever the fuck Castiel's doing now <laughs> like a giant group chat just without Castiel and like this dude's like yeah I don't know who the fuck Castiel is but I hate him too <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Okay. I have one teeny tiny point left. Does anyone else have anything no. that they would like to raise? No. So. Though okay. if you guys have any questions for me or my thinking. <laughs> well, if Abigail's going to join us for next episode, we might hold off on those. Okay. Also, I just am very excited to be back next episode. 
because I, I got to talk a little bit about Anna, but next week I get to be like feral about Anna. It's going to be so fun. So, I- Anna is my, was my gay teenage awakening. So <laughs> talk about that next week. I am so excited. <laughs> Very excited about it. So my one teeny tiny point left is uh, a little bit back on Sam and Ruby. So in uh, Wishful Thinking, which we've just, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've just looked at, basically when they're talking about like, oh, Dean says like, oh, like what would you wish for? And he sort of gives Sam this really interesting idea of what he thinks Sam would wish for, which is essentially what Dean wishes for him, not what Sam actually wants. Mm-hmm. And what Sam says in that episode is what I want, what I would wish for is Lilith's head on a plate. And what we actually, but also interestingly enough, what Dean wishes for for Sam is exactly what John wished for for himself in like 121, mm-hmm. which is like John's going through, he's like, oh, I wish this for you kids and I wish that Mary was still alive. Like that's basically what Dean assumes, assumes Sam is going to wish for himself. In this episode, we find out that Ruby said to Sam, I can get you what you want. I can get you, essentially, I can get you Lilith. And so it's interesting to me to see like, Ruby actually like Sam obviously wanted to kill Lilith but But like it's a tier system the thing that Sam wanted was Dean back yeah and then Lilith's head on a plate and so he got Dean back so he got Dean back and now like he's priority number two yeah yeah but I did think it was interesting that he like Ruby was able to call out like exactly like oh you like I can get you what you want you want revenge you want Lilith's head you're being John Winchesterified so you know (laughs) Imagine if John Winchester had had a demon come to him and imagine imagine how much worse John would have been if a demon had been involved trying to help (laughs) him get Azazel. Like John, Sam gets, Sam gets pushed down this path worse than he already is because of Ruby. Imagine if John had had that influence. No, I, do you know what? I don't want to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's Um, the thing though. If he had a demon, like say Azazel was coaching him. He might have been a better parent because, like, let's face it, Azazel's a better parent than John Winchester. <laughs> no, but I'm thinking, like, a different demon helping him track Azazel because that's, like, what Ruby's doing is Ruby's mm-hmm. helping get Lilith. to get Lilith. Whereas John would have to have some other demon helping to get. But, no, I just, I thought it was really interesting. And for me, it's an, an interesting parallel where, again, like, we talked about in Lazarus Rising. And this was one of the things that was a callback from dream a little dream of me was on my big list of things from that episode where I was like this will be important later which is that in dream a little dream of me Sam says to Dean specifically it's like you don't even want to be saved Uh, because he's basically giving up on the idea of Dean wanting to get out of his deal and then in 401 because that's not quite right that's not actually it in 401 Cass says to Dean specifically you don't think you deserve to be saved and that's it that's the subtle difference but it, mm-hmm. it is the difference. And Cass is able to see straight through that. And it, so it's interesting for me looking with like Sam Ruby dynamic and the Dean Cass dynamic, mm-hmm. having Dean being like, oh, like you'd probably wish for like, you know, 2.5 kids and a picket fence and like law student and like a nice car, whatever. And Sam's like, no, I, I want Lilith's head on a plate. And Ruby is like, I know what you want. You want Lilith's oh. head on a plate. And maybe that's why they, maybe that's why there's a little bit more of like that implicit trust between Ruby and Sam and a little bit of that starting to slowly develop between Cass and Dean because mm. there's actually that ability to see the other person. Yeah. And they, they see in them, like they see through them in a way that the brothers don't see through each other. Mm-hmm. Not because obviously like at this point, especially like Sam and Dean are much emotionally closer to each other than they are to these other characters 
well, I mean, he's been sleeping with Ruby, so I guess that's different, but like they know each other. At this point, Sam and Dean know each other and have known each other for so long and they know each other so well, but these other two characters have now entered the scene and they're able to see them in a way that their sibling just hasn't clocked before. Well, and the sibling, you know, has the blind spots, the sibling blind Mm. spots. I mean, Dean has the parental blind spots towards Sam. Sam, And Sam has the child blind spots towards Dean. So it makes sense that someone else from external can actually see that better and quicker. Such an interesting parallel because obviously you've got the demon versus the angel then you've got sam versus dean and it's like the whole it's it's just a really interesting point that i wanted to make sure that we raised (laughs) so i think that just about does it for today's episode jamie how would you rate i know what you did last summer out of five look i'm giving it a three and a half okay would be a four but the Sam would be, a four. would be a four, but the Sam Ruby sex scene is so uncomfortable. I'm docking at half a point. You know what? That's fair okay. and valid. So you that's know what? That that still feels like a pretty solid episode. That's a higher rating than I was expecting. Although to be fair, Sarah Gamble, who we know you like the writing of, and yeah. Charles Beeson, who we know you like the directing of. So it's like it's it's a fine episode. It's enjoyable, mm. but it's just not like oh my god, I love. I'm excited to see next week what you think. Mm. Me too. <laughs> Also, it has Cass in it, so that, like, slightly higher score. Yeah. <laughs> it's got Anna, who I'm really enjoying so far, mm-hmm. so excited to see what they do with her. It also, like, it opens up a lot of opportunities and premises. So, I don't know. I, it, in hindsight, it could actually be less, but I don't... <laughs> you said it now. <laughs> I've said it's it now. It's too late, Jamie. It's too late, Jamie. I feel like what will make it less is if they then squander all of the potential they put into this episode, which is supernatural. Like they could very well do that. Like, I, you know what I mean? I right. can pretty confidently say they won't. Okay. Yeah. This is one where I don't think you'll be disappointed with how they play out what they've hinted at. Like at this point, like I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with the potential they've introduced. And I think what would have like really severely undercut all of this is if they just drop everything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Which it's supernatural. They could a hundred percent do that. They have, in fact, done that before. To to put you at ease a little, this is also a two part. Two part. Yeah. So, and actually, maybe Abigail, correct me if I'm wrong. If you know, is this the only mid season two parter we have in the series? Is every other two parter like a finale? I think so. As far as I know, yeah, I, think so. I can't think Was of any. Was this officially others. a two parter? Yeah, because there's a to be continued. It says to be continued. Oh, okay. So. Yes, and it's and well, and then and the next. And the next one is the mid-season finale. The yeah. next one was. So the next episode is just Anna and Cass on a spa day. Which I love. <laughs> it's amazing. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Okay, cool. So uh, 3.5. Amazing. Do you have any predictions for next week's episode, which is just titled Heaven and Hell? So I'm going to say they pick up exactly where they left off this week. Well, I- yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a prediction not or a, just not a leap. <laughs> I think we're gonna learn more. Like, I, it's obviously gonna be about the demon angel war apocalypse thing that's coming. We're finally starting to get some plot really coming in. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna just take a stab in the dark and say we're gonna learn more about the angels' plans, and we're also gonna learn more about the sort of like structure of hell and what's actually happening and mm-hmm. what they're trying to stop. I will say right now that if they kill Anna off in the next episode, I'm immediately docking at half a point. Okay, that's that's fair <laughs> and valid. Valid. Because yeah. to be fair, that's exactly where they left this episode off with like a, oh, we're probably going to have to kill her. So if they kill off another fucking female character. With a lot of potential in the first two episodes. Yeah, 
You'd be very well justified. If that were to be the case, I would fully support the docking of points. Yes, always will always support the docking of points for female characters killed too soon. Exactly. Okay, so I think that just about does it for this week's episode. Abigail, if people were looking to find you, I'm sure if they're at this point in our podcast, they are well aware, but where can they find you if they wanted to hang out with you? The Supernatural podcast that I'm a part of is called Saving People, Queering Things. Our website is queeringthingspodcast.com and all of our socials are linked on there. Um, And then personally, I'm Astro Spock on kind of all platforms doing my own fun little socials things. And if you wanted to find both me and Abigail, you can always go and head over to our prequel pod for the Winchesters. So that is called Wayward Parents. You can find us at Wayward Parents on Twitter and Tumblr. We are reviewing the episodes as they come up. We get to be the Jamie yeah. in this scenario <laughs> and have no idea what's going on in the show. So A whole fun. podcast that basically the entire premise is Psychic Jamie and Psychic Jamie isn't even invited. <laughs> so, okay, to be fair, we are really sorry about that. <laughs> it's not our fault that it's spoilery. <laughs> um, well, maybe someone should have thought about that one. And yeah, then sorry, told we should have Jensen, Jensen Ackles. <laughs> Try again, Jensen Ackles. Um, Jamie is Jamie has beef. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, if you wanted to interact with either Jamie or myself, you can always find us on any of our socials. All the links will be in the description below. We've got the Twitter, Tumblr, Discord, all those fun ones. Hit us up wherever you prefer. And topics for conversation could include. I want to know, is there any other time other than the one that I'm thinking of in like the end of season two where Sam knows that Lilith is a, like normally takes the form of a small girl? Because I cannot think of another. Op- Am I wrong? I don't is, think or you're is wrong. he just typecasting here? I want to know. <laughs> also, if you have thoughts, does Angel Radio work like Discord? Is it just a bunch of voices all at once? Is it different channels? Do they have a channel where they just bitch about Castiel? (laughs) (laughs) Pitch us your theory for... At a certain point, I would argue they absolutely do. (laughs) (laughs) If not yet at this point, they will. They will. The Jonification of Sam Winchester, always up to talk about that. Uh, Yeah, anyway, so thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you had as much fun listening as we had recording. And we will also hopefully have you back next week where we will also have Abigail again for the second part of (laughs) of this double feature. Super excited. Bye. Bye.